Chapter Nineteen of Armand Durand by Rosanna Le Proen. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bruce Peary. The first days of mourning over, our hero returned to the legal studies to which he now devoted himself heart and soul. The strict seclusion in which he lived contributed materially to his farther advancement mr duchesne soon foresaw that the young man so earnestly recommended to his kindness by his cousin belfond was one of those destined to arrive early at that goal of success which so many never reach in writing to rodolphe he had assured the latter in speaking of armand that rarely had he seen such mental gifts combined with so much steady energy and such irreproachable uprightness of character it was not wonderful then that durand after having passed a most successful and brilliant examination was offered by mr duchesne a share in his extensive practice gratefully promptly the offer was accepted and armand now found himself in a position singularly fortunate for one of his years as well as for one who had laboured for a time under such great disadvantages time passed on and again bright smiles were lavished on the clever handsome young lawyer and invitations plentifully sent him but within the portals of the gay or fashionable world armand was never seen a time came however when he was obliged to depart at least for once from his usual rule and that was on the occasion of his friend belfond's wedding the latter notwithstanding his frequent vigorous tirades against matrimony and the fair sex had suddenly made up his mind after an acquaintance of three weeks and a courtship of one to lead to the altar a young damsel of sixteen just out of conventual blue the colour then worn by the pupils of notre dame and who to counterbalance her extreme youth possessed a pretty face and gentle lovable disposition quebec gossip had decided that the bride-elect was gertrude de beauvoir and durand felt angry with himself for the strange dull pain the dreary sense of world-weariness the news gave him it was with a preoccupied look which he vainly strove to render cordial that he saw belfond enter his comfortable rooms one morning and inform him with a smiling though somewhat confused countenance that he had called to give armand a chance of wishing him joy this our hero did with as good a grace as he could assume adding perhaps a little cynically that he and his fiancee were sufficiently long acquainted to have a fair knowledge of each other's tastes and sympathies at the end of this speech belfond turned fiery red and angrily exclaimed none of your chaffing armand had another fellow told me that i would have knocked him over instead of inviting him to my wedding little louise and i will be all the happier for having some occupation after matrimony in the way of studying each other's good points for of course we will try to remain blind to all the bad ones louise repeated armand bewildered yes louise d'aulnay but you need not open your eyes so wide you do not know her she only left the convent last summer ah rejoined durand feeling immensely relieved i thought it was miss de beauvoir tut no danger of that i told you years ago she was not to my taste nor probably am i to hers nor anybody else indeed for the matter of that 
she has refused offers right and left and some of them better than she had any right to expect but for one thing i will always respect and revere her she rejected point-blank that conceited fop de montenay i suppose her vocation as my little louise would phrase it is to be an old maid probably the report concerning us originated in the circumstance that she is coming down here to be louise's bridesmaid the two families are on the friendliest terms always visiting or reciprocating civilities but what a difference between the two ah gertrude is far too clever and standoff for so blunt and prosaic a fellow as myself she would suit you much better luckily belfond whilst he spoke was busily employed according to a habit of his in kicking at a lion's claw aggressively supporting the table it being the nearest object suitable for the exercise so the deep quick flush that his last speech had called to his companion's face escaped his notice and now armand he continued would you like to be groomsman by no means my dear friend was the hasty response you know how averse i am to all such offices snail-like i wish to remain within my shell i thought as much so i gave arthur d'aulnay my future brother-in-law a conditional promise that if you refused he should be held eligible for the post his anxiety to obtain it arises from the fact that he is deeply smitten with miss de beauvoir and as he is only eighteen years of age you may imagine what his chances are now i must be off for i want to choose a set of pearls for my own pearl of great price but one word of warning to you durand before we part as you value my friendship never try to chaff me about my short acquaintance with louise d'aulnay or to hint as a fellow did this morning whom i intend cutting from this out that had i waited another week i would probably have changed my mind as i had so often done before au revoir do not fail to be on hand in time on the happy morning with mingled feelings armand donned the irreproachable attire in which she was to assist at the nuptial feast one moment desiring the next shrinking from the approaching meeting with the one woman whom he now felt had been his first as she had been his only love the woman whose generous courage had saved him from himself from ruin and who had stretched out a helping hand when all the world beside with one exception had fallen off from him the d'aulnays were among the first and wealthiest families in quebec so everything was done with great state and splendor and the bride looked like a snowdrop and her elegant aristocratic bridesmaid like a magnificent fleur-de-lis tall white and stately armand's eyes followed her during the ceremony with a strange renewal of the boy worship the earnest admiration with which she had inspired him during their first interview at mr de courval's summer fete and when at the close of the ceremony her glance happened to encounter his and a polite but indifferent bow followed he sadly thought to himself she was no nearer to him now than she had been to the unpolished country lad the guests were soon seated around the richly spread breakfast-table 
and now came one of those unpleasant contretemps from which armand's secluded life had heretofore protected him since the memorable morning when gertrude like some angel of light had stood by his side in the wayside inn and won from him that promise which had been his salvation he had scrupulously and religiously observed it even when mrs martel had proudly announced to him his new-found paternity and presenting him with a brimming glass bade him drink to the health of mother and child he had braved that good woman's indignation by steadfastly refusing the proffered cup causing her to remark later that she was quite prepared for the sad catastrophe that had followed close upon so unheard of a circumstance now the health of bride and bridegroom was formally proposed and champagne glasses filled to the brim mechanically our hero raised his to his lips and then set it down untouched hoping to escape notice and the charges of affectation and singularity which he knew would be levelled at him his expectations however were disappointed and two or three observers instantly challenged him total temperance was perhaps rarer at that time than it is now and expressions of jesting disapprobation with any amount of what belfond would have called chaffing unsparingly showered on him is mr durand like the knights of old when preparing for first donning their golden spurs under vow to abstain from the juice of the grape sneeringly asked de montenay i am indeed bound by promise coldly but courteously rejoined our hero well it seems to me the present happy occasion like a jubilee should afford a chance of getting rid of all onerous or ill-judged vows what does the fair bridesmaid think that a promise made should be fulfilled was the curt reply upon this another toast was proposed responded to and armand with his brimming goblet left in peace after the guests had returned to the drawing-room he was standing before a beautiful engraving representing one of the belles of the french court and thinking how much the calm proud brow and eyes resembled those of gertrude when a soft rustle of silk sounded behind him and turning he saw miss de beauvoir who was passing to the other end of the apartment a friendly interchange of trifles a wonder that they had not met for so long a time an allusion from armand to the retired life he had led of late and then there was a pause the latter was broken by gertrude's abruptly saying how glad i was this morning to see how faithfully you have kept your promise could i do otherwise when you had deigned to ask it ah i trust i will keep it and the precious talisman you gave me then as i once before told you till death and he raised to his lips the ruby ring she had given him think miss de beauvoir of what you saved me from of all i owe you and tell me can you wonder at the earnest the lifelong gratitude i feel towards you ah armand that speaking passionate gaze that thrilling intensity of look voice and manner unconsciously betrayed a sentiment warmer than that of gratitude and a sudden flush rose to gertrude's cheek and her calm fearless eyes drooped 
you attach far too much importance to a trifle mr durand and the fidelity with which you have observed your promise repays me amply for the effort it cost to ask it but you have not inquired about your old and early friend mr de courval yet she added anxious to give a turn to the conversation which was becoming embarrassing have you not heard that he has been very ill i am truly sorry to hear it and armand handed a chair which his companion at once took evidently nothing loath now that the conversation was on a strictly general subject to prolong it she told durand that mr de courval had had several rheumatic attacks that he was becoming in fact a martyr to the disease and though at the present moment he was a little better mrs de beauvoir had been obliged to remain at home to nurse him then the conversation wandered back to the first meeting between them as boy and girl in the manor-house of alonville and how even then at that early time she had befriended and encouraged him the transition was easy from that back again to the already much talked of meeting at the village inn and the happy influence it had exerted on armand's subsequent career the subject was an engrossingly interesting one apparently to both and whatever peculiar spell lay in it durand despite the hopelessness of his lasting and secret love for his companion and the polite indifference she had usually shown him found himself almost before he was aware of the fact laying bare to her gaze the long and jealously guarded secret of his heart with the shimmer of her bridesmaid robes and veil around her with the gay talk and laughter of the wedding guests sounding in her ears gertrude de beauvoir accepted the vows of one for whom her preference dated almost as far back as did his for herself that mrs de beauvoir should sneer and cavil when informed of the engagement entered into by her daughter was not surprising but fortunately her opposition was neither violent nor long-lived true he was not a seigneur nor was he a wealthy independent gentleman like de montenay or belfond but then he was partner with an old and well-known lawyer and after a short time would come into untrammelled possession of mrs ratelle's fortune paul too was unmarried and report said he drank freely so he would probably soon put an end to his existence that way leaving armand his heir yes she would consent it was better gertrude should marry him than remain an old maid as she had often threatened to do before mr de courval was quite satisfied and between the intervals of a sharp rheumatic attack presented the bride with a comfortable dower and rich trousseau how much had armand to tell his fiancee including the reception of the mysterious note summoning him to his father's deathbed a note which gertrude confusedly acknowledged having been written by herself then the treachery of his brother paul the manoeuvring of mrs martel the miseries and struggles of his unfortunate marriage the peaceful death of his wife and his quiet monotonous life since then gertrude was a sympathizing warm-hearted listener and more than once those eyes which he had thought so proud and indifferent grew suspiciously dim as he pursued his recital 
there is but one thing armand in all this which i would wish otherwise one thing that i would ask you to retract for my sake you must forgive your brother paul fully and freely durand's brow darkened gertrude i have done him no injury nor do i seek to do him any for all the evil he wrought myself surely that is enough no the concessions you have already made were for mrs ratelle's sake you must now do something for mine listen armand let your free unconditional pardon of paul be your wedding gift to myself i will prize it more highly than the purest diamond or rarest pearl sovereigns usually signalize the inauguration of their reigns by an act of amnesty so let us mark the commencement of the wedded affection which i hope shall ever reign between us by a similar proof of clemency the speaker's voice was playful but her dark eyes were wonderfully earnest and entreating and armand felt how impossible it would be for him to ever refuse anything they asked how can i say no to any request of yours yes even my revengeful pride my long-cherished though passive animosity towards the brother who robbed me of my birthright and my father's love must yield to your influence ah gertrude no greater proof of your unbounded power and my deep devotion could be given the wedding was simple the best thing to be done mrs de beauvoir remarked where the antecedents of the bridegroom had been so peculiar gertrude magnanimously forbore resenting this speech as her own wishes all pointed to quiet and utter absence of display paul though kindly asked to be present returned an excuse alleging that he was ill feeling probably too conscious of his guilt towards his brother to desire meeting him on such an occasion he sent the bride however the most superb set of jewels that money could procure and at a later period found courage to pay the new married couple a short visit an event however not often renewed no wife of his ever entered the old homestead at alonville to dispel the gloom that reigned within it de montenay never married he continued to frequent ballrooms and to haunt for a time the footsteps of every pretty debutante that came out till his glossy hair had turned grey a misfortune remedied by the use of some invaluable dye and false teeth had replaced the white regular ones of which he had been so proud this life he led till age and increasing infirmities left him no alternative but that of abandoning it and he then settled down into the crossest and most tyrannical of old bachelors his chief amusement consisting in sneering at matrimony in general and the wedded bliss of his friends and acquaintances in particular no cloud however did his vindictive eloquence bring to the sunshine brightening the home of armand and his wife and if trouble and sickness occasionally visited them as they do all of adam's race the solace to that passing grief was found in their mutual affection a brilliant destiny awaited durand and in the political arena of his country on which he entered soon after his marriage 
he distinguished himself as much by his unwavering integrity as by his rare talents well supported was he in his course by the noble and superior woman who was the sharer of his thoughts his hopes his plans as she was of his life destiny and in those dark hours of discouragement which few true sons of their country escape she whispered hope and cheered him on his onward path honor nor emolument never tempted him to sacrifice one principle one point of justice and the fairest inheritance armand left his children one far surpassing in value the ample fortune and social position he had won was the memory of his true honest patriotism and unsullied integrity end of chapter nineteen end of armand durand by rosanna le Proin.